Good morning. I am blessed to be here. Very happy. See my smiling face? (laughs) I am so grateful, so happy, so thankful to be here today. I didn't know if I would ever preach again. And I'm going to share quite a bit with you. Well, I'm going to give you the shorter version. Actually, I could say quite quite a lot more, but I'm going to I'm going to tell my story this morning. I wasn't, I didn't know whether I should do this or not. I've been debating back and forth, you know, whether I should really go public with this personal story. Uh, Tim Saxton was scheduled to speak today, but because of all of his travels, we, uh, he emailed me and said he was a little bit under the weather from his traveling and asked me if I had any suggestions of who might take the pulpit in his place. And, uh, the thought just came to me, Steve, this is, this is the time to do it. So I see this as a providential opportunity. Uh, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Never spoken on this before actually like this. Uh, the title you see in your bulletin is called, I Can't Sleep, My Crisis, God's Victory. Uh, before I pray, I want to thank from the bottom of my heart, those of you that are here and that have been praying for me, I appreciate that so much. Chuni, Tim, Ron, Stacy, a lot of other people, Whitehorse Media, Jamie, my wife, my children. Words will never, can never describe how thankful I am, and what the Lord has has done for me. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to just share. This is, uh, I put together a bunch of notes. I hope that they come together well. And uh, I'm doing this because I want to be used by the Lord. Well, first of all, I want to glorify God. I want to honor my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to uh, hopefully encourage you that there is, there's, uh, there's really nothing that the Lord can't bring us through. That there is hope for the hopeless. No matter how down you may feel, uh, Jesus can lift you up. So that's why I'm sharing this uh, today. So let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, dear God, I'm so grateful to be here in Newport, Washington today, October 21, and to have a chance to share with this group, and we're recording this, and who knows who will listen to it, and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will be here, that Jesus will be lifted up, and that you will use Uh, my testimony to encourage a lot of people that your love is infinite, that your grace is incomprehensible, and there's not a one of us that is outside of the reach of your mercy, your love, and your power. So we pray for your blessing 
please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, I'll start out by telling you I have had a horrible, horrible summer. It was the worst summer in my life. Never been through some of the things that I went through the summer of 2017. Uh, If you have Psalm 107 still open, I know it was read during the scripture reading, but I'd like to read verse 1 and 2. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. And praise the Lord, uh, that horrible summer is over. (laughs) It's over. And I've really been enjoying the fall. Looking forward to the gathering this evening at our in our home, our annual barn social. Looking forward to seeing the kids smiling on the hay rides and eating the good food and hearing the good music. Abby's smiling big. Really looking forward to that. Psalm 107. This verse has impressed me for quite a while. Verse 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Let them say so. Let them speak out. Those who have been, have been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Praise God. Powerful verse, isn't it? Jesus redeems us from the hand of the devil. Uh, This particular crisis started in in June, this past June. And I don't really understand to this day uh, all of the ins and outs and the whys and wherefores. Uh, A lot of it is a mystery to me. It really is. But it happened. And anyway, it was in June that I flew to 3ABN to participate in uh, their spring camp meeting. And I, was, I spoke twice. Uh, most of you know me. You know about Whitehorse Media. You know that I'm a minister and I'm involved in uh, giving seminars and speaking regularly. I've been doing this for years. So I, I went to 3ABN and I spoke twice. The travel was a little bit difficult. Uh, Flight was delayed. I got in on the way there quite late, about 2 o'clock in the morning. Got into my hotel. It was a fairly stressful weekend. And uh, as soon as it was over, right away, the next day, uh, I left my hotel and flew to Pennsylvania for a seven-night speaking appointment. So these two were back-to-back. It was straining my body, and I I have been having for quite a while uh, some difficulties during my my talks on on the weekend, my travels, and I don't really completely still understand this, but I was feeling some uh, tightness in the chest and pressure in the chest, and uh, anyway, when I got to Pennsylvania, everything was happening, you know, back to back so quickly And after a number of my talks, uh, the pressure in my chest was getting very intense while I was speaking, and I really started questioning whether I should keep going because I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, the last thing I want to do is fall over uh, during one of my talks, and, you know, my family is very important to me, 
I want to continue to be a good uh, father and husband. And so I spoke with the conference president, uh, Pastor Gary Gibbs, and I told him, you know, I, I'm struggling and I don't know if I can continue to go, go on, but I did. And it really, things really came together on a Wednesday night. It was Wednesday night and it was about two o'clock in the morning and I woke up in my hotel. I was there by myself and I, I, uh, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I've, you know, a lot of people get up and go back to sleep in the middle of the night. And, and maybe for some of you, this is a regular uh, habit. I don't know. But for me, this was not normal and not to be able to go back to sleep. And I, I had this strong sense of anxiety and, uh, again, the pressure in my chest. And I was laying there and I just became very scared. And I was praying on my bed and asking God to help me. And this, this wave of fear just went through me like I, I've hardly ever experienced. And I just thought, to, and, and the fear was that if this doesn't go away and if I continue to have these kind of sleeping problems, uh, eventually I'm not going to be able to handle my responsibilities uh, with my home, the ministry. I thought about my, my big backyard in the spring with all kinds of work to do. And I just got, I got scared. And uh, anyway, I talked to the president again and told him I didn't know if I could keep going, but I did. For another night, that Wednesday night, or actually Thursday night, uh, but then by Friday, I told uh, Gary, I said, I just don't think I can keep going. I think it's safer, safest for me to stop. And so he was fine with that. He wants what's best for me. And he took my slot and preached twice, Friday night and Saturday night. And uh, I, I went to the local Walmart with a friend and picked up a, uh, a bottle of Tylenol PM, I think it was called, because I was, I was having a hard time sleeping the next night. So I got some Tylenol and I slept through the next couple nights and on Father's Day flew home. And that was very, it was on Sunday and I was very uh, happy to be home with my wife and my children and missed them terribly and uh, was hoping that this would go away, <laughs> but it didn't. It did not go away. And I'm just going to, again, make a long story short. Uh, early July, I went to Los Angeles to visit my dad, my elderly father. He's getting up there. He's 88 years old right now and uh, still alive. My mother passed away last February. I think you remember my talk on that. And anyway, stressful time. And so uh, when I was at my dad's in LA, in Studio City, I, I tried... Uh, quite a bit of melatonin to go to sleep. I took uh, 10 milligrams, which is not, um, I don't think it's, you know, something that everybody takes. Maybe for some of you, that's nothing. I don't know. But for me, it was a lot and it helped a little bit, but not enough. Uh, July 22nd was looming on the horizon, which was uh, Seth's birthday and Baptism Day. You remember that? Many of you were here when I baptized Seth right behind me. And it was, a, it was actually a very exciting day for Seth, for me, and for, for all of us, for my family, my wife, my daughter. Well, anyway, a couple of weeks before his baptism, uh, things got worse. And I don't really know why. Uh, 
One night, I was laying in bed, and I was awake you know, the whole night. Just didn't sleep at all. And it was not a good night. I'm lying in bed, and I'm you know, quoting scripture and praying. Sometimes I would get up, walk around the room, read the Bible, quote the Bible. And I just had this sense that the enemy was, uh, was right there, ready to come into my head. And I was just quoting scripture over and over again and praying, Jesus, hold on to me. You know, I don't know what's going on. I can't sleep, but just be with me and don't leave me and keep the devil out of my head. And anyway, uh, things got worse. I went a couple of nights without sleeping. The whole night. I'm tempted to ask you how many of you have ever been through that, but maybe I probably shouldn't do that. (laughs) Ask you to raise your hand. I, I don't know. But so... We got closer to Seth's baptism and uh, I was getting weaker because I wasn't sleeping. And I don't know, you know, maybe you can go a night or two without sleep, but for me, this was brand new and it was really affecting me. Uh, It was affecting my my outlook. It was affecting my mind. I could just uh, feel it. So I started taking some other medications. I went, I tried Ambien. If you've heard of Ambien, Uh, That worked uh, for a night or two, but then it stopped working. And then I I was wanting something stronger. So I I think trazodone was in the mix somewhere. Tried trazodone, and it it, uh, worked for a while, but that stopped working. And then I went on to uh, lorizepam. And that was uh, pretty strong stuff. And I was, I was asking, I'll clarify, I was asking for this because I, I wanted something, I needed something, I needed help. And I didn't know what to do. And so a few days before Seth's baptism, uh, actually right before I went on the lorizepam, I think I had gone a night or two in a row without sleeping. And uh, it, was, uh, it was very bad. I, was, I wasn't thinking clearly. I, uh, Tim, you probably remember coming into my house, and I just told you, I said, I can't, I can't think straight. My mind is not thinking right. Um, during that period, and I don't know why this happened, but I uh, reached a point where I was unable to take a nap during the day. I, would, uh, I was exhausted, and I would lay on the bed or on a couch, and I could not take a nap. I was losing my appetite. My appetite was disappearing. And for those of you, I mean, you can see me. I'm already, uh, I've never been, I've never had a lot of extra pounds to lose. And uh, so I was getting thinner. And I started having uh, what, what uh, someone called a panic attack. I would, you know, during the, during the day, I would just all of a sudden just get this, this wave of anxiety that would flash over me. And uh, we were a number of days before Seth's baptism, and I was really, you know, I was just thinking, my worst fears were just looming in my mind. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can baptize my own son. You know, what if I can't sleep for the next three or four days? How am I going to stand up in church and smile? And uh, it was scary. And so 
I'm just going to tell you this. It's uh, hard for me to tell you this. I'm going to tell you. At one point, well, actually, I asked Kristen, to uh, my wife, to start taking family worships because I wasn't strong enough. My voice wasn't strong enough, and I just didn't feel good. So I asked her to lead out in family worships, and at one point, I gathered my family together, and uh, I guess I was thinking, you know, I need to alert you. I don't know what's going to happen when the baptism comes, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. So I got my kids together, and my wife and I, I told them that I'm having a real crisis. I don't know why, and if I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be at the baptism. And I said, if I don't get over this, you need to pray for me. Pray for dad. Because if I don't get over this, if I don't start sleeping, eventually, you know, something's going to happen. And I just imagine, you know, if you don't, if you don't sleep for a long enough time, eventually, you know, something's going to go on with your body. And so I told my, my kids that. I said, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And then Abby looked at me and said, Daddy, does that mean you might die? And I just looked at her and I, I didn't know what to say. I just sort of nodded my head. I don't know. And she grabbed me in the living room and she just cried and cried and cried. She wouldn't stop crying. I looked at her and I didn't know what to do. And then eventually, in the next, I don't know, a few hours, I said, I'm not going to die. Tried to encourage her and she stopped crying. And... But I tell you, that was, the one, that was one of the saddest moments of my life. I've since apologized to her or saying that. Anyway, uh, I started taking lorizepam, which is a much stronger. And uh, it, it knocked me out. And I slept the next few nights, and I was able to be here on July 22nd, if you remember. And because I had been sleeping, uh, I, I, um, I, you know, I was just stepping out in faith and saying, praise God. Thank you, Lord, that my son has made a decision to follow Jesus, to be baptized, and it was a good day. And it was, you know, by faith, I was trusting God. And uh, I will always remember with joy being in the water with my son. And I hope that someday in the future, I'll have the same experience with my daughter. Well, right after, uh, right after, this, that Sabbath, the next day, my family, we drove to Camp Myvedon, about an hour and away, for a family camp. We had been uh, looking forward to this. We had planned for this in advance, and it was a week where we were all there. And uh, we had a good time overall. I was taking uh, Louisa Pam, so I was sleeping. One night, I, um, I said, uh, I, I talked to uh, somebody, and made a decision that I was going to try to just 
go to sleep without it. Because I really don't want to be on something uh, on a regular basis. I mean, sometimes I guess you have to be, but in my situation, you know, I, I, if, if there's any way out of it, I'd rather not. And so uh, I thought, I'm going to go to talk to Dr. Krauss, and she was very wonderful, um, encouraging me step by step. And Dr. Fleck, uh, we were very closely in contact and uh, appreciate so much their prayers. And so um, we discussed this and uh, decided, you know, sure, try it, just go to sleep without it. So one night in Camp Myvin on a bunk bed, <clears throat> I laid down. This was uh, end of July. And I prayed, Jesus, we can do this. I can go to sleep without this. Help me. And then I went to bed at 9, 10 o'clock rolled around, 11 o'clock rolled around, 12 o'clock rolled around, and I was not tired at all. And I thought, this isn't going to work. So I went back to the Larisa pan. And I slept that night and anyway, made it through the week. And... Uh, when we got back, we drove to Kristen's parents' house, and this was on a Sunday. And our plan was, in a, in a couple of days, we were all going to fly with uh, others from Whitehorse Media. We were heading to, uh, to Houston, it was Houston, right, for ASI. We had our booth there, it was an annual event where uh, Whitehorse Media meets a lot of people, and so... I was planning on going. Well, I was debating. And I, I am good friends with uh, Dr. Neil Nedley. I don't know if you know him or not. Many of you know of him. But I've known Dr. Nedley for a long time. And I happen to have his cell phone number in my phone. So on Sunday, I called him. And I told him what was going on. That I wasn't sleeping. That I was losing weight that I couldn't take a nap, that I was having anxiety attacks, panic attacks, I was getting thinner. And, uh, I, I'm on, and then I told him, I'm on lorizepam. And he said, Steve, you've got to get over here right away. You've got to get to Weimar right away. And I, uh, that was on a Sunday. And come to find out, Dr. Nedley is involved in a, in a wonderful, very uh, specialized program at Weimar called uh, the Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program. I'm curious, how many of you have heard of that program? Some of you have. Wow, a lot of you have. Marvelous. Well, it's amazing. And they were, happened, they were going to start their next session on Wednesday. And he said, you've got to get here right away. And they only take 20 people. And they, uh, they do this every month or approximately every month. And uh, it was, to me, it was miraculous, miraculous that there was a spot for me two days before, three days before it started. And within two days, I was at Weimar. So, uh, and, and so I'm packing my bags and I want to just, just uh, praise my wife. <laughs> Kristen was so good during all this time. She was watching all this. She was patient. She was praying with, for me. She helped me pack. And, uh, she was just a, a model of a loving, supportive wife. Thank you. 
So uh, I, I barely got there. I mean, I was, I was having trouble on the plane, uh, trouble with my travels. But I got there, and I was picked up at the airport by a young man named Nathan Hyde, who works with Dr. Nedley in Sacramento. He picked me up, and it was a providential uh, meeting because Nathan has been through very similar things and, and worse. And he shared his story with me all the way as we drove an hour or two back to Weimar Institute in Northern California. And it was so encouraging to me to know that here's somebody that's been through uh, something very similar to what I've been through. Heavy medication, couldn't sleep, deep anxiety, all kinds of problems. And the Lord brought him through. Uh, this was a uh, 10-day program that I went through. It's actually a total of 20 weeks. And another providential event was that during that particular session, was a, uh, happened to show up from Australia was a young man named Andrew Jasper, who was one of my best friends when I used to live at Weimar many, many years ago and who now works closely with Dr. Nedley. Hadn't been to Weimar for a long time. Came to America from Australia and just happened to land at Weimar Institute the same time that I got there. And when I saw Andrew and he saw me, it was just like all the lights went on. Lord, you are, you are coordinating events to help me. <laughs> you gave me Nathan. You gave me uh, uh, Andrew. And anyway, I'm just going to go through this quickly. Uh, Dr. Nedley's program is intense. Heavy emphasis on nutrition, flaxseed, the brain, exercise, hydrotherapy, uh, a lot of reading, classical music, counseling, lectures. Uh, the hydro was incredible. They would take us and put us, or we popped in, to a 107 or 108 degree jacuzzi for five minutes, and they've got a timer there, and then we pop over into a bucket of cold water loaded with ice. How'd you like that? <laughs> they want to... They bang the depression out of you. <laughs> and so we're in there for a minute and then back into the hot tub, back and forth three times. And then we started doing this five times, numerous times during the day. And there was just, you know, it's an all out program to get your body working, to get your mind working, to get your brain working. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, we're up exercising. It was not a vacation. That's for sure. Dr. Nedley did a number of tests. They, they took uh, nine blood draws. My blood pressure was one time was about 180 over 114. Can you believe that? Uh, the blood draw, the results from the lab, Dr. Nedley is a, is a brain expert. And he's been studying the brain for a long time. And he looked at my lab work and saw norepinephrine. It's a brain hormone, I believe. And anyway, my blood results showed that it was 10 times higher than it should be. And Dr. Nedley looked at that and he said, Steve, what's been happening to you is just uh, totally expected based upon your brain chemistry. Your brain chemistry is way out of whack. And so he recommended a whole series of um, supplements to try to level me off, like zinc, certain uh, milligrams of zinc, and other things. Anyway, he got me off the Lorizepam right away. Right away. 
put me on a couple of other medications that were designed to be transitions that I would eventually get off of, which originally the lorizepam also was designed to be a transition. And everything that I was taking was designed to be something I would take only for a little while, but it, it, uh, for me, it became a problem. Uh, anyway, while I was at Weimar, things got worse. And you know, they get worse before they get better sometimes. And there was one period where I went four days without sleep. Didn't sleep one night, next night, next night, and the next night. Can you imagine going four days without any sleep? And I, I, uh, I, didn't, know, I didn't know if I would go five days without sleep. Four days without sleep is enough. Now maybe it's going to be five days or six days. I'm laying in bed at night in my room at Weimar, Weimar Institute, reading every day, reading my Bible, reading Steps to Christ, reading Ministry of Healing, claiming promises night after night after night. One morning, I got up at 5.30. Actually, they knock on the door and get you out of bed. So 5.30, we're all up. And I went to a facility where we were exercising at uh, quarter to six. And I had this strong impression that came to me about six, about 5.45. Strong impression. And the impression basically said, don't lose your faith. And I know it was from the Lord. It was just basically saying, hold on to your faith. Don't lose it. And here's something amazing, and I don't fully understand this, but within five minutes or less after that impression came to me, don't lose your faith, it was like a sledgehammer came down on me like I've never known. And, uh, and there was this cloud in addition to all the other clouds that was on top of me. And it was just, it just felt like the devil hit me hard. Like I've never known. Like I've never known. And the next, uh, the next month or so was the worst time in my life. I've never experienced anything like this. I, I felt like this cloud was over me. And that for whatever reason, I was just a lost soul. I was totally lost. My future was totally dark. I didn't know if I'd ever get home. I'd look at myself in the mirror in the morning and the bags were getting bigger under my eyes. I was losing weight. I'd lay in bed at night. And I don't know if this was directly from the devil or my mind or the medication. Dr. Nedley said there's a two-week period once you get off the lorizepam that you can, affect, you can expect side effects. And uh, I started hearing voices inside my head just laughing. Ha, ha, ha. I've got you. And I'd uh, you know, go through the night. Maybe I wouldn't sleep all night. And then in the morning, this voice would say to me, tonight, I'll be back. And you won't sleep. You're not going to sleep. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, it just made my blood curl. 
There were times when I felt like I was about to lose my mind. Uh, thoughts of suicide came into my head. Now, I have never thought that before. And I didn't actually take it seriously. I mean, I never really thought about doing it because I thought there's no way I would ever hurt my family by taking my own life. But the thought was there. The thought was there. I thought, I'll never preach. I'll never preach again. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And I'd like you to open your Bibles to um, Job 17. Job 17. One point, you're not going to believe this, but at one point my, my two fingers on both of my hands started curling inward. And I would go to the cafeteria and I would grab my spoon or my fork or my knife and my fingers were curling in. I asked Dr. Nedley about that and he, he thought it was probably uh, withdrawal from the lorizepam. And I didn't know what was going. I thought, wow, what's happening? Is, is rigor mortis setting in? <laughs> I mean, I tell you, I was scared. Now look at Job chapter 17. Job 17, verse 1. Job wrote, My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. And I tell you, that's exactly the way I thought. I thought, this is me. I'm done. White Horse Media, at least as far as my involvement, is over. You know, I don't have a future anymore. And you know, one of the worst things, I tell you, the devil is so cruel, is I would have these thoughts over and over again. That if I do die, which I will, finally, I'm gonna, I, I, you know, if you don't sleep, eventually you're going to die. Eventually. And, uh, and this thought came to my mind, and when you die, you're going to wake up in the second resurrection. And you're going to be outside the city. You're going to see that beautiful city, and, and uh, you won't be there. You're lost. You are a lost soul. And I began read, you know, I, during that time I'm reading Proverbs and all of a sudden for some, I, you know, I'm seeing myself on the side of the wicked, not the righteous. We listen to classical music at, uh, at Weimar quite a bit. And I'm, the thought came to my mind, you're just like Saul. The, the, the classical music sounds great, like David played the harp. It's comforting you, but you're like Saul and that's all it's doing for you. It, you know, you're, you're on the wrong side and you're done. You're done. In your bulletin, in the back, there's some inspirational quotes. Did you see the top one from Ministry of Healing? Page 249, I was reading Ministry of Healing. There's a chapter called Mind Cure, and I read it over and over and over and over again. I was reading Steps to Christ again and again and again, trying to gather all the promises that I could gather to myself. Ministry of Healing, page 249, the first half says, none need abandon themselves to discouragement and despair. Satan may come to you with the cruel suggestion, yours is a hopeless case. You are irredeemable. And that's exactly what he did to me. 
he came right to me and he said, you're hopeless. You're done. There's no hope for you at all. Now, I don't know, have any of you ever experienced that? You experienced the temptation that you're just, you know, you're not going to make it. You're lost. And, you know, Tim has been doing research on this. We talked about this in Sabbath school, that as we get into the closing scenes of this world's history, uh, that's exactly what the devil's going to be telling us. He's going to be telling us there's no hope for you. And that's what he was telling me. He came to me with the cruel suggestion, yours is a hopeless case. You are irredeemable. But there is hope for you in Christ. Now, in my particular Bible here, this is a remnant study Bible. It's got a quote here from uh, patriarchs and, I'm sorry, prophets and kings, right underneath the verse in Job. And this is what it says. This is uh, Prophets and Kings, page 179. It says, when we are encompassed with doubt, perplexed by circumstances, or afflicted by poverty or distress, Satan will seek to shake our confidence in Jehovah. Despondency may shake the most heroic faith and weaken the most steadfast will. But God understands all this. I read that and I thought, Lord, you've got to understand all this. And he still pities and loves. He does. He reads the motives and the purposes of the heart. Now listen to this. To wait patiently. To trust when everything looks dark is the lesson that the leaders in God's work need to learn. And evidently, I needed to learn that lesson. Heaven will not fail them in in their day of adversity. And uh, during this period, the thought finally came to me that no matter what I'm going through, no matter the hammer that nailed me, the cloud that's over me, the darkness that settled on me, the the sense that God no longer loves me, that I'm lost, I'm irredeemable, I'm coming up in the second resurrection, Uh, eventually I'm going to die because I can't sleep. The thought came to me in the midst of all of this that, Steve, you just need to trust in the word of God. You need to trust in the love of Jesus Christ. You need to trust in the grace of your Lord that no matter how you feel, no matter what you think, no matter how dark it gets, no matter that you can't sleep, no matter what, you just need to trust in God and believe that he loves you no matter how you feel. And I decided to do that. (laughs) Lord, (laughs) you got to get me out of this. You know, it's it's tough when you, uh, you know, if this was not, you know, a, a, a typical thing where if you're struggling with some sin, 
you can just make a choice by the grace of God to rely on his power to get the victory over this. I couldn't just resist not going to sleep. So I didn't know what to do. Well, Dr. Nedley decided to keep me at Weimar for another week after. And it was hard to be away from my family for almost three weeks. And uh, when I finally came time to go, uh, Ron, I believe, Ron, you booked my flight, didn't you? Ron Fleck booked my flight. And uh, I don't know if I told you this or not, but I was, I was scared to get on a plane. I was thinking, wow, you know, and this is anxiety, you know, to get on a plane, to go up in the air. And I've been traveling for years on airplanes that have never had this experience. Never. And I, I just thought, well, I'm going home anyway. My wife's waiting for me. My kids are waiting for me. And I got home. And uh, after, let's see, this was near the end of August, I believe. So I got home and uh, with uh, Dr. Nedley's regular counsel and, uh, and also the, uh, the prayers and uh, consultations with Dr. Fleck and Dr. Krauss. And you know, they were praying for me and others were praying for me. Dr. Nedley helped me step by step to begin a process of weaning off. I got off the lorizepam, got off the Seroquel, and now trazodone was the last one. So I believe it's an antidepressant and it helps with anxiety and it's supposed to help you sleep. And I started weaning myself off of that. And I finally decided I'm going to get off of this. And on September 12th, Seth had an um, icebreaker with his eighth grade class in Montana with a group of boys in a dorm where I would be sleeping. And I went. Ron said, Steve, you need to go. Be good for you. Go on the Hiawatha Trail and ride the bike with your son. And, uh, and, and also, pa Pastor, Pastor Ron, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking together, and he was encouraging me on, and you remember all those pep talks? <laughs> Steve, God's going to help you. Don't give up. And so I went on, and on September 12, I made a break with the trazodone completely. I thought, I'm going to do this no matter what get off this medication. I'm going to go to sleep on my own or not sleep on my own. And uh, It wasn't easy sleeping in a, in a room with a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> a lot of, they were snoring. Uh, Seth didn't snore. <laughs> yeah, somebody else snored. And uh, I made it through the night and uh, Seth was above me. I was below. We had a great time. We really did. And uh, sat in my sauna, sat in my sweating out, thinking I'm just going get, to get all this stuff out of me, keep drinking lots of water, keep praying, don't give up, hold on. And then one day, about a week after I got off the trazodone, uh, I, I took a nap during the day was actually able to go to sleep. And to me, that was a light shining in a dark place. I thought, wow, Lord, 
something's happening. I can go to sleep now on my own. And lo and behold, uh, my appetite started coming back. And I started getting hungry for my wife's good cooking. And I thought, God, you're doing it. And, you know, this was just a little thing, but it was greatly encouraging to me. Then I went out, worked in my garden, picking weeds and doing other things, and I had a great day. I thought, praise, because my, my yard became a nightmare to me. My orchard, my fruit trees, my garden, I thought, you know, this is no fun anymore. I felt like the person in Ecclesiastes 12 It says when you get old, you'll get to a point where you have the days you have no pleasure in them. And that that was me. I just, you know, I had no, I'd wake up in the morning and and there was no reason to be excited at all. I would walk around, I'd go into my office, I'd look at all the pictures of my kids and my family, and I think, you know, this whole ministry that God has built up, the studio and everything and Whitehorse Media, our staff, what God has done, you know, I, I just, I don't think I can go on. And uh, everything was just dark, total discouragement, absolute total discouragement. I had no hope, none. But I held on. Like Job, he never cursed God and he never blamed or charged God with wrong. And I held on and I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. No matter what thoughts are going through my head, evil thoughts, bad thoughts, dark thoughts, at Weimar and beyond, dark thoughts, thoughts I don't want. I don't want these thoughts, Lord. I reject these thoughts. They're not me. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you no matter what. And anyway, I worked in my garden and I thought, hey, and I liked it. I thought, wow, something's happening. And then um, one day I realized, you know, I don't feel any pressure in my chest anymore. The anxiety is gone. And Dr. Nedley has me on some supplements. And I tell you, he, I just, I can't, I thank God for Dr. Nedley, his staff, his team, his program, uh, his depression recovery program. It, you know, it just, it helped me more than I can, can describe. The blood work that he did, figuring out what was going on inside my brain, giving me the right supplements to help balance me out, uh, the prayers of others. Uh, about a week and a week and a half after I got off the trazodone, I slept. I, I was, you know, sleeping. And, I, and I'm still taking some herbs. It's an herbal preparation called Luna I got on Amazon that has grave reviews, and it's just things like valerian and hops and passion flower and some nice herbs. And uh, sometimes I still use that. But anyway, um, I started sleeping and the anxiety. And one day, and I don't remember what day it was, but it was about two weeks after I got off the trazodone completely. One day I woke up and I thought, it's over. It's over. It's gone. The, the cloud, the hammer that I experienced was gone. The sun was shining. I was excited. 
about being alive. I was uh, happy <laughs> about God's love. I, I started doing more research for, uh, about Martin Luther because I'm going to be giving a talk on Luther shortly. And I was reading Great Controversy, the chapter on Martin Luther, and I could feel the Holy Spirit speaking to my soul about standing for God like Martin Luther. And I was so excited. I thought, praise the Lord. You're talking to my heart. I can, I can feel it. So anyway, after a couple weeks, the whole thing was gone. It was just gone. Can you explain that? <laughs> I, you know, I really can't to this day completely explain the whole thing. I can't. And when I was at Weimar, I remember a lady named Amanda. She was my counselor. She, when I first counseled with her, she looked at me and she said, Steve, I'm so excited for you. And I said, why? And she said, because you're going through this for a reason and God is going to use this to help you to help others. And she was so excited. She had this glow in her eyes. And I looked at her like, well, I sure hope that happens, but I don't feel that way right now. I don't feel that way right now. Uh, for during that whole time, I, I mentioned this to, I don't know if I talked to Tim about this, but I mentioned this to Ron, that I was seriously, and Jamie, I was seriously considering canceling my other, my next speaking appointments. I didn't speak for three months. I have a, a, year, a year's worth of uh, speaking appointments, and I thought maybe I should just cancel them all. I don't know if I can do it. And the first one looming on the horizon was in Dallas, Oregon at the end of September. And I talked to Dr. Nedley. I said, I don't know if I can do this. Speak three times on Revelation chapter 13 and the end of the world. And uh, Pastor Ron especially just encouraged me, I'm booking, my, I'm booking our flights. <laughs> Keep going. God will help you. Junie did the same thing. So when we got there, Pastor Ron and I, we got there to Dallas, Oregon, and I thought, this is going to be the test. This is the test. Can I stand up in front of a crowd, open my Bible? Jeff, thank you for your prayers, too, and your family. And, uh, and Trisha and Dwayne and so many others. And uh, I stood up there Friday night with an open Bible. saying, Lord, this is it. This is the litmus test. And I tell you, the Lord just blessed. I preached for over an hour. Next day, over an hour. Again and again. Took, had a long Q&A. And the Holy Spirit blessed every talk. And where Pastor Ron said, he said, I saw you up there in Oregon, and I thought, you're back in the saddle. <laughs> oh, and I tell you, and I knew. And then when Tim was looking for a speaker for today, I thought, all right, let's do it. And uh, last Wednesday, three days ago, we did an almost two-hour webinar. Uh, you can watch it on our YouTube channel, dealing with all the disasters that are happening all around the world, how these are signs of Jesus coming, and uh, evidences that the Holy Spirit is withdrawing from the world. And these are signs of the end. And God blessed the webinar. 
He blessed in Dallas, Oregon. I believe he's blessing right now. And in three days, I'm flying to 3ABN, four days for a, a, a live interview on Thursday night, 500 years from Luther and Earth's final crisis. And I tell you, I am so grateful that God has restored my life. He's restored my mind. He's restored my soul. He's restored my uh, happiness in being with my family. He's restored. And I, and you know what? If I were to die today, I'm not coming up in the second resurrection. <laughs> I'm trusting Jesus that he will raise me up in the first resurrection and that I will live with him forever. Lessons I've learned. Number one, the devil is very real. Don't ever question whether there's an enemy. There is an enemy. He hates you. He hates me. He's vicious. He's vicious. And we've got to close every door that we can to stay away. And I, I prayed, you know, over and over again, God, let's close every door. I'm not going to yield to him. I'm not going to go his way. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm nothing, but you're everything, and I'm trusting you. The devil's very real. Number two, uh, I've learned to be very careful about medications. Now, I cannot say you should never take a pharmaceutical medication. I know that Sometimes they save people's lives. But I, I have learned we need to be very careful. Dr. Nedley is very concerned about uh, the effect on the frontal lobe, on the brain, on our ability to think. And I've just learned that if at all possible, I'm going to avoid them. If at all possible. Uh, next lesson. Do not rely on your feelings or your thoughts. No matter, what you, no matter what you tell yourself. The Bible says the, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I thought to myself, if my heart is deceitful, then maybe all these thoughts that I'm telling myself that I'm lost, there's no hope for me, I'm irredeemable. You know, these thoughts are, if I believe them, they're deceiving me. And I learned that lesson. I learned, I don't, don't, don't depend on those thoughts. If your mind tells you there's no hope for you or that God doesn't love you or that his grace is not enough for you or that all the promises in the Bible are for other people but not for you, not for you, my advice to you is don't believe those thoughts. They're lies. They're lies. They're not true. This is what we need to rely on, the Word of God. And we've got to get that in our heads because when the final crisis hits and everything's falling apart, the only thing that we can rely on is not ourselves, but it's the Word of God. I had all kinds of terrible thoughts inside my head. And I learned, don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Trust the Bible. Trust His love. 
trust his grace. Next lesson, Jesus' grace is sufficient for us. His grace can bring us through. No matter what we go through, his love, he loves you, he loves me. There is hope for the hopeless. There is nothing that you can ever go through that Jesus Christ can't bring you through if you trust him and surrender your life to him. I hope this encourages you today. I really do. Uh, let's, I'd like to close with two texts. Psalm 107 and then Psalm 50. And Lord, I hope that you'll use this to encourage people. I hope this hasn't been too dark, you know, telling you some of these things. I don't want to preach a dark sermon. I want light to shine. I think we all need light. And hopefully, you know, some of you, you can relate to this because different people get discouraged for different reasons. Isn't that right? We get discouraged for different reasons. And whatever your reason is, there's hope for you. Psalm 107. Verse 16 says, He has broken the gates of bronze. He has cut the bars of iron in two. God will break whatever chain is over your life. Verse 18 says, Their soul abhorred all manner of food that was me. They drew near to the gates of death. That's the way I felt. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I circled that word, out. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that we would all thank God and praise him for his goodness and his love. Last text is Psalm 50, verse 15. Junie, you texted me this text, I believe. My memory serves me correctly. Junie gave me this verse. Junie's been praying for me and giving me Bible promises. Psalm 50, verse 15. Where is it? There it is. The Bible, this is God talking. This is God talking to you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. When your day of trouble comes, God says, call upon him. In the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And I hope that my talk did that today. I hope it gives glory to God I hope it shows that Jesus Christ is faithful to us 
And like I said, I don't really understand. And Job, I don't think he probably ever understood <laughs> what happened to him. And I, don't, I really don't know. But I know that I've learned the power of the enemy, the power of the Lord, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and his ability to bring us through whatever happens. So let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Father, I, I am so, I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for bringing me through the dark days. And I pray that you'll bless everybody here and everybody that will hear this, that whatever anybody's going through or whatever they go through in the future, that they will know that you love them and that you are able to bring them through all the way to the new Jerusalem and to a wonderful eternity with you and with all your people. Bless us all, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.